COVID-19 has been politicized from the get-go, but as the virus becomes endemic and less of an issue in our daily lives, what role will COVID play in our politics going forward? WTOP's Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller has been covering Congress throughout the pandemic. This week, he reviews COVID's impact on our politics and how the virus will play a role in the upcoming midterm elections. So Mitch, vaccines, masks, school closures, and COVID mandates have galvanized voters on both sides of the aisle throughout these past two years. We saw in the 2020 presidential election, the pandemic was center stage. And it seems as if now President Joe Biden benefited from that. And then in 2021, we saw Republican Glenn Youngkin really motivate voters through a lot of frustration on the side of parents with school closures and the like. So where are we now with COVID politics. To take a quick step back, if you look at how President Biden became President Biden, really he came in saying, I'm going to try to get things back to normal, right? And if we go back to last summer, things did look like they were going pretty well for the new White House. But as we know, things changed. We had the Delta variant, now we have the Omicron variant. And a lot of things uh, did not go the White House's way and in turn did not go really for the uh, country at large in a lot of the ways that people had hoped that many people, of course, thought by now we would be, quote, back to normal. So I think because of that and some potential missteps by the administration, that opened up the door politically for opponents of the president and for Republicans on not only the national stage, but also, as you mentioned, in Virginia, we look at Glenn Youngkin. And I think that the Democrats were frankly slow to recognize the fact that there was a large buildup of very much frustrated parents out there who said, okay, look, we were pretty patient early on. We decided that our kids were gonna stay home. They were gonna do the Zoom thing. And then when it continued for a longer and longer period of time, even the Democrats who had been fairly patient up to that point decided, you know what, we've had enough of this and we're getting tired of it as well. And the Republicans tapped into that. They tapped into their natural uh, constituency, if you will, that said, you know, we don't really like all these government and uh, local entities telling us what to do. We want to basically manage our own lives and, and let our children do what they need to do once they get into class. So I think that Glenn Youngkin, during that campaign, he made a great move in that direction, and that really helped to sweep him into office. So I think where we are right now is there is kind of this wait and see a little bit more, but really the country is ready to go over the hump here and say, okay, now it's sort of near this endemic stage and we just want to move on and look at this as if it's another health issue that we have to deal with. But now with vaccines, with boosters, we're able to move on. Right. And we heard on Wednesday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell really speak to that. After two years on the hellish highway, it appears our country is finally arriving at the off-ramp. The virus appears to be heading endemic. If we could just focus in on Mitch McConnell himself, how has he thought of this pandemic? And what does that tell us about his words this past Wednesday? What does it mean that he said it's time to move on? Well, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, is really an interesting individual because 
He has actually taken a different position than many members of his own party. If you look here on Capitol Hill, on the House side, many have been very feisty about a lot of these regulations and have been challenging Dr. Anthony Fauci and the administration. And don't get me wrong, of course, Mitch McConnell is the top Republican in the Senate does the same thing. But in terms of COVID, he has taken a slightly different approach. And if we go back, Mitch McConnell actually grew up and has mentioned this, that he had polio. And he knew from the outset that there was a value to the vaccinations. And so unlike many other Republicans at certain points during the pandemic, he has been pretty consistent saying that you needed to get vaccinated, that it's going to protect you, and didn't raise any kind of doubts about it. So he likes to make a statement and then stick with it pretty much throughout and says, if you just look at my statements going back a year or two years ago, that's where we are. Now, again, he pushes back on some of the things that the Democrats have done, but overall, he's maintained that line all the way through. So at times he has indicated that he would go along with Democrats on certain parts of issues. If you go back a year ago to COVID relief, that he did believe that the country needed to get some financial help to move forward. But once the COVID relief package from a year ago went through, he has basically been in line with all of the other members of the Republican conference, which is, look, we've put all this money in the pipeline. The economy is slowly recovering. We don't need to waste any more money in his view. And so he's consistent with other Republicans in that regard. But now what you saw in this past week in connection with him getting on the Senate floor is kind of an extension of that. He's saying basically that, yes, we are effectively returning to normal. Do people still need to wear masks? Yes. Do people still need to get vaccinated and boosted? Yes. But the time has come to start moving forward in connection with the economy. And we can touch on this in the future, but uh, that's really going to be the Republican message moving forward is you've got to get inflation under control. You've got to get these supply issues under control and that it's time to really move this train forward and not keep looking back about what could be done or what could have been done, but to, to move the country forward. Right. And if we could just pause here for a second and really try to define the different political sides of this pandemic, I think almost every American is probably saddened by the fact that this COVID pandemic was politicized. But, you know, there were really thick lines drawn. Where does each party really sit as far as this pandemic goes? Well, right now there is on the Democratic side a lot of hope, hope that we will get over the hump and that the president will be able to say, look, I did get you through this. We had some bumps along the way, but the economy is starting to improve. We had a jobs report again recently that a lot of Democrats are touting. And so that is what they're hoping that while there may be other issues in connection with variants or what have you, that they will be able to continue to move forward and not have to put another edict down or deal with all of these mandate issues. And on the Republican side, similarly, of course, everybody wants to get through all of this and that the economy will continue to improve. But what I think you're going to see is that Republicans are going to continually criticize the White House and say, you know what? 
President Biden said he was the guy that was going to get this through and we were going to return to normal fairly quickly. And then that didn't happen. And so they are going to hit that message over and over again that not only did he, in their view, fail on the recovery of COVID, but then also on the economic recovery as well. So I think that even though the country is moving toward a more normal situation in connection with COVID, I think you're still going to see this sharp dichotomy between the two parties, especially as we get deeper into the year and we move toward the midterm elections. Mm. So in other words, and correct me if I'm wrong, the parties are jostling over who has brought back normal or whose fault it is that it's not normal yet. Exactly. For example, you'll hear Republicans here on the Hill going all the way back to the vaccination efforts and say, look, Donald Trump, if you didn't like him, whatever you may think of him, he helped private entrepreneurs, private industry to get the vaccination to the fore in record time and that we have to give him credit for that. And then they say Joe Biden came in and kind of stumbled on a few things in their view and didn't get us through this as quickly as we should. And so they're going to continue to to move on that message. Right. And all of these efforts to really convince the American people of who really is bringing back normal or hasn't gotten normal here yet is going to play out in the midterm election. So how are the two parties really preparing for these midterms and what are the arguments? Well, the Democrats are going to hope that these economic figures that keep coming out are going to keep improving and that they will show that there is steady job growth, that they are chipping away at the inflation issues, that they are showing that they're doing something in connection with these supply chain issues. The House just recently passed the America Competes Act, which they are hoping, along with a Senate version that passed, will help to address these economic issues in connection with China and the supply chain issues. Now, whether or not that actually becomes law is really unclear at this point. And so the Democrats are trying to get some kind of victories legislatively moving forward, whether it's related to the economy or showing that they have done more related to COVID to get us back to where everybody wants to, which is, you know, normal. On the other side, Republicans, and you hear this time and time again, even when it's on a congressional hearing on a different topic, they will time and time again come back to inflation, that the inflation rate is the highest it's been in close to 40 years, that when you go to the grocery store, you often don't see the items that you need, that when you go to the gas pump, you're paying these incredibly high gas prices. They're going to continually hit on this, whereas, frankly, the Democrats are kind of just crossing their fingers at this point that the economy is going to continue to improve, because right now, If you asked me, and this is because of the historic nature of when the opposing party is out of power and the White House, you know, the Democrats are in control right now, that portends that the Republicans are going to do well, particularly in the House. And right now, the House looks like the Republicans will probably pick up dozens of seats and the margin is only a handful of seats. So more than likely, you will see uh, House Minority Kevin McCarthy become House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And Republicans are really feeling pretty bullish about their stance as we go into those elections. Mm. And is there any chance that the pandemic will fade from political salience? I think, you know, actually, we are starting to see it fade already. Even Democrats who have largely tried to uh, get behind the president on this issue, uh, when 
We ask them about whether or not you're going to have another economic package related to, you know, small businesses or restaurants say they're still struggling. And certainly there are a lot of issues related to that. I was on a Zoom call recently where small businesses in Northern Virginia, um, because of the trickle down with federal employees and conventions that still don't take place, are really losing out on a lot of their business. So it's definitely still salient for a lot of people, no question about it. But I think overall, in the broader political sense, I think we're going to see it fade more and more. And it's really interesting to know whether or not voters will give the president a lot of credit and Democrats credit for kind of getting us back to this normal, or will they kind of put it to the side and say, you know what, that's great, but I've been waiting for this on going on three years now, and I'm still dealing with all these high prices and all these economic pressures that are really pushing in on me. And as we both know, it's the economic issues that largely drive voters to the polls. And all polls recently indicate that Republicans are more energized right now than Democrats. Certainly, uh, the public at large may not feel a lot of energy having gone through this pandemic as long as we have, but at least politically, the GOP has the edge right now. Mm. And stepping away a bit from political ideology and policy politics, Capitol Hill itself, you know, is made up of Congress members and representatives who are in groups and have had to deal with their own sort of COVID measures and rules and regulations. So as the pandemic becomes endemic and less of a daily danger, really, will that change at all how politics is done just in the literal logistical movement of people and the tensions that might have been sparked just because we were in a pandemic? I think logistically, it definitely is going to change. For example, there has been proxy voting here in the U.S. House, which allows a lawmaker to be back in California or in Florida and to still have another lawmaker vote for him or her. Republicans really fought against that initially saying this is the people's house, that people should be here and they should be voting on the floor. But over time, Republicans, just as Democrats, started to vote via proxy as well. So they're you know, publicly still opposed to it. But as often happens with both parties, they both utilize it to the extent that they can, whether they're at fundraisers or at an event that's down near the border. Both sides uh, have utilized the proxy voting in the, in the House. Now, on the Senate side, because it's smaller and there's only 100 senators, they have never had any proxy voting. So they have always had to be here. And what's also kind of interesting, too, is that here in the Capitol, you can walk from one side of the Capitol to the other and have different guidelines in place. For example, on the House side, where I'm talking to you from, you must wear a mask. And we'll have to see if that continues to last and how long it lasts. Whereas on the Senate side, you don't have to necessarily wear a mask. And many senators, while they still wear a mask when they're walking around in the hallway, you won't see members on the floor wearing masks as much as they do in the House because it's it's optional, whereas it's mandatory in the House. And of course, we've had these highly publicized uh, situations where people like Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has racked up close to $100,000 in fines because philosophically she's, she just does not believe that you need to wear a mask. Now, that has, as you alluded to, caused a lot of tension 
because there have been hearings, uh, there have been House uh, floor situations where people literally have yelled at each other, uh, where a Democrat might say to a Republican, you need to be wearing your mask during this event, and they'll go back and forth. Now, uh, moving to the second part of your question, will the fact that we're moving back to normalcy, will that potentially drop down the temperature a little bit? Maybe, maybe about a half degree, but these sides are so baked in right now that it's really difficult to see them getting any closer. And it's interesting that you asked that question because I remember somebody saying to me at the outset of the pandemic, do you think that this might cause the country to come together a little bit more since we're all in this pandemic? Of course, we can almost you know laugh at that now because we both know right. it has absolutely ripped the country apart. And I think because of that, uh, we're not going to get back to any comity that we might have thought we were going to get to. Now, certainly, just one last point on this. On the Senate side, they do get together a little bit more than they do on the House side. There is kind of like about a dozen Democrats and Republicans that try to work together as they did on the infrastructure legislation and other issues as we move forward. But I think overall, I think you're going to see both sides moving right to their corners. Right. And kind of focusing in on the country really being torn apart politically, we've seen now in polls that it's affected the American people themselves. You know, politics does really have a large effect on how people live their lives and what they fear and what they don't. Morning Consult with the New York Times showed that Americans have adopted at least some irrational, unscientific beliefs about COVID based on their political views. As someone who covers, you know, politics, how would you recommend someone navigating all this ideology in a pandemic? How do you really figure out what's right and what's good to do when politicians are saying different things. Right. I think, you know, we've talked over the years about identity politics and people find certain issues and they latch onto them and they're really important to them. And that, that makes them decide to be either a Democrat or Republican or an independent, perhaps. I think for the average person, as much as I like covering politics and talking to members of both parties, that really you have to somehow separate the political side to a certain extent from what is right for you. And I think, unfortunately, people of both parties have tried to, you know, demonize the other side for whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask or you do get a vaccination or you don't get a vaccination. There is so much gray area and it's much more complicated than just a simple reaction to something. And so, to think about more about what is right for you or what is right for your family. But also, of course, it's not in a vacuum either. You have to think about the public health aspect of it as well. And people that you might be putting at risk by not doing some of the things that the scientists are saying that needs to be done. Now, certainly, I can understand people's confusion and, frankly, being upset by the fact that they are seemingly told to do one thing a few weeks ago and then something changes. And then, you know, then the scientists say, well, it's an evolving pandemic. This is what happens. Um, but there is some truth to that, that you do need to be ready to be a little bit more flexible and a little less rigid in what you believe. I mean, I think on the positive side, it does appear that we are really finally starting to see the light at the end of that proverbial tunnel. 
and that perhaps some of these issues that, you know, anger people right now so much will start to fade a little bit. And that's really one other point I would like to make, too, is that you see it with politicians, obviously. People just get viscerally upset about some of these issues. And if there's a way that you personally can kind of take it down a little bit, not make it political, maybe stay off of some of the social media so you don't get all worked up about how could they do this? How could they act like this? But just say, you know what, I'm just going to take care of myself, my family, my friends, and not worry so much about all the political noise that's going back and forth. I think that can help you as the country collectively kind of takes a deep, deep breath and moves forward. On Wednesday, Republican Governor Larry Hogan ended Maryland's state of emergency. With swift and decisive actions and the vigilance of Marylanders, I'm pleased to report that we have turned back another dangerous variant of COVID-19. And on Friday, a judge granted seven Virginia school districts a restraining order against Governor Glenn Youngkin's ban on mask mandates. This deals a blow to one of the new governor's signature initiatives against COVID-19 restrictions. Here's Senator Mark Warner on the issue. Virginia law, I do know the Virginia law, those policies by law are supposed to be set by the local communities. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett. And our music is courtesy of Lockspeed. Join me next Monday as the world recovers.